Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Ty, we got Jameson, full squads back together, and hey, guess what, guys? OU actually has a winning streak now, two in a row. Look at that. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, that's right. OU got another win, uh, road win against uh, TCU, so uh, if they could just play all of their games in uh, DFW, we would be set, but uh, they won't, so that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, so, Jameson, uh, you were at the game at Amundsen Carter Stadium, uh, been there before, but uh, what was the atmosphere like uh, on the road? With, uh, I guess, I don't know, just on the road in COVID times, what was it like? You know, yeah, it was nice. The stadium, you know, just like your basic game day. But let me tell you something: the TCU fans have already given up on that team, and they gave up on them before the game. It was like. Ask like if you were a New York Jets fan giving up on the team. It was pretty bad. The people around me, as soon as Spencer Rattler came out there and was throwing dimes on that first possession, and that second, whenever the, our defense came out, man, were they just dogging on that offensive line. We had some really angry old fans around us. It was quite enjoyable on our end. There was not a single frustrating time in the stadium. TC was quiet as quiet could be. It was honestly a great experience. Yeah, uh, sounds like a solid time. Uh, percentage of OU fans there were solid group there. Yeah, it was honestly pretty decent. Um, it's because there's a lot of you know Oklahoma families around the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, I don't know how many really people traveled, but um, I, you know yeah. there's a lot of people that can't get into TCU in Texas that end up going to OU. Um, so I think that there's a decent population there. But all in all, really not that memorable, not hostile in the slightest. Legitimately, as soon as you walk in, I feel like you're just walking into TCU's funeral. That's how they felt. And I'm not trying to be cocky for OU's in because I understand it was going to be a decent game. Like, <laughs> Here we you know, go. <laughs> TCU, TCU games, you know, like we don't have the, the best history in at TCU. You know, like um, it's always usually pretty close. They throw out the Whedon boys and we, we crumble. But it, it just felt completely different. I walked in feeling pretty dang confident and it was quiet the whole time. That's really what it was. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was a good time. Um, Ty – uh, what, what are, what, did you have a good time watching the game? Did you just kind of hang out? Anything? I guess morning games, morning OU games on TV are always kind of weird. Cause you get that sort of, you know, watching a game in the morning, at least for me that you're like emotionally invested in. And then it's like, after it's over, regardless of how it goes, it's almost like I'm kind of burnt out on football for the day. Like it, it kind of ruins later games for me. I, if I'm going to watch one on TV, I prefer when it's in the evening. Because uh, I can kind of, you know, carry my my motivation to watch college football through through the day. So, yeah, 
that's why two thirty is perfect because you you get the build up, then you you, you don't have to wait too long. It's perfect. I, I love those games. Um, but I, I agree. I, I feel like after eleven, I'm just like, well, what do I do now in my day? So I, I, yeah. I totally feel that. Well, let's get down into it. Let's get down into the meat and potatoes of this, and let's talk about that OU defense. So uh, Sooners held TCU to seven until about seven minutes or three minutes left. Uh, gave up that extra touchdown. Where does this rank in all-time speed D performances? Ty, I'll let you take this one. Um, I mean, it was I, – I really liked – it was a good performance, obviously. Um, I liked it schematically um, and, you know, big props, I guess, if we're going to give out game balls. Uh, big props to the, the linebackers as a whole, I thought. Um I don't, I don't know if I could rank it in terms of all-time speed D games because I, I don't really know where people are going to draw the line personally as to where that begins. Does that begin, you know, when Alex Grinch got here? Or, or yes. I'm sure there are some people that are going to say, oh, it began this year um, and, and, and things like that. So I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if I could rank it. It's, not, it's definitely not in the bottom. Uh, obviously, we won and we held them to a – to 14, but I think it may have had a lot more to do with TCU than it did uh, with us. I, I think that this same performance uh, defensively against, say, Oklahoma State, uh, it would not have been a 14-point for the opponent game. So, Yeah, what we weren't exactly going against a prolific offense at all. Um, Max Duggan, give him credit. Guy's a good quarterback, but, man, he does not have a lot of assets to work with. Um, but overall, good performance. Uh, love to see it. Jameson, I wouldn't, I guess rank was the wrong word. Was this one of uh, Grinch's and the speed uh, defense as a whole's finer? Um, what is, was this one of their better performances? Not for Grinch on his sake, because there's, you know, no turnovers. You know, that's, that's what we need. Um, and unfortunately, uh, when you don't get any turnovers, Grinch is going to be rolling around in his bed, can't sleep that night. All in all, it was solid. But like Ty said, TCU's running game and offensive line was an absolute embarrassment the whole game. You know, they didn't have anything. Everyone was clamoring for Zach Evans. You know, everyone was trashing on the offensive line. It was true. It's very one-dimensional. And Max Duggan, like you said, he's a good quarterback. But a quarterback can only do so much when you don't have any utility pieces around you. And it was really tough for them. We had some we had some good performances. Our defensive line was another solid play. Um, you saw guys like Marcus Stripling go out there and make a sack, a guy that we haven't really heard his name all year. Isaiah Thomas, another solid game. Perry on Winfrey made some good plays, some good shifts on the defensive tackle. Um, linebackers were all right. Asamoah had a sack, but all in all, missed a couple of gaps. Um, but, yeah, another solid game from Ugwebu. All in all, you know, Great, solid game. There's really nothing you can get mad about. Can we, can we just can we just jump into the obvious? Uh, hey, I look, think for the or hey, no, let's 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 get your take first, and then we can. I'm I'm just saying. There's a reason I put him last on my on my rung of uh, you know writing things out because I I didn't want the whole thing to be about him. Oh, so I didn't I, I didn't see I didn't yeah. know we had a. Uh, Oh, no, I just, it's just for me. I just wrote it out for myself. I probably should share those things with everyone. Um, I just want to make sure it's not missed. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, no, you're, it won't be missed. Trust me. Um, but DL, incredible, like you said. All uh, all three of those guys, Thomas uh, Stokes and Winfrey, all had two solo tackles. Uh, each also had a tackle for loss included in those. Um, and then the secondary, I thought, played 
shaky. I mean, there were some, you know, kind of open plays at times. Uh, TCU got, you know, more big plays than you like, but nothing big enough to hurt us. Um, I don't know. It, Ty, it, it, besides the guy you're going to go off on, what did you think of our secondary? And then I'll kick it to Jamison on his thoughts as well. Hang on. <laughs> I clicked on an ESPN page and had the mysterious advertisement. Uh, okay, yeah, so – it's me um, every time too. The secondary defensively, I think the one thing – it's, I think it's going to sound really sort of um, nitpicky maybe. Um, but it's sort of the one thing that stuck with me defensively besides the obvious uh, in the secondary is Washington got some more play, which we like to see. Um, saw, you know, some mistakes out of him, uh, but hopefully they will be, you know, learning opportunities. But that's that was the one thing that that I stuck with was, hey, you know, he's out there getting some some play time, which is nice to see. Yeah, more burn with Woody is always a good thing. Jameson, uh, just real quick, your one standout from the um, uh, secondary. Yeah, I was going to say the standout is if you're looking at snap counts, it was almost like divided in three for Woody, Jade, and Davis and, um, and Trey Brown. Trey Brown had 43 snaps, Woody Washington had 38, and Jade and Davis had 37. You know, Woody Washington has supplanted himself into that rotation. And all in all, from our outside cornerbacks, you know, there wasn't too much to get mad about them. You know, like I said, like even just thinking about this game a couple days after, there's not much that sticks in my brain. And that is a great thing to think about whenever it's defense. I always say it. And the offensive linemen and defense, if you can't think much about them, they did a pretty good job, and especially for an OU's defense. Um, but there's one person that's been hanging in my mind, and I want to hear Ty's thought about it. Let's get, Yeah, let's just get to it. I mean, this this man is little, literally Jekyll and Hyde because I know – little. Li- li- <laughs> Little Jekyll and Hyde. But look, before we rip into the guy, Buki Radley Hiles led the game in tackles, nine tackles, eight solo. But then there's the mistakes. Ty, I, I'm just going to le- leave this out for you. Like, I don't so know. So if we only if we only look at his good stats, this was his best game of the year. He got half of his solo tackles this year um, in this game, more than half, actually. Uh, mathematically speaking. Um, so, I mean, this was this was his best game all year if you just look at, at the good stats. But just, again, it's just pure, like, stupidity. Like, I don't understand how you can be at this level and do the things that he does. Like, it was – I was cracking up during the game because our friend Blake that was on last week uh, <laughs> texted us at one point. It was like, hey – and this was like first or second quarter before we'd even seen, you know, the full, uh, the full just stupidity unfold. And he was like, I thought you guys just gave this guy a hard time. Like I had no idea that he was actually this legitimately infuriating to have on your team in terms of just stupid penalties. And he got away with some too, that, that one that ended up being on the, uh, on the TCU player, um, early in the game was honestly kind of bullshit. It was not, it was, you know, that example of it's always the one that uh, retaliates, that gets penalized. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't understand how you can make these mistakes like he does. Yeah, it was legitimately right in front of me. The unsportsmanlike conduct on that first defensive possession where he had just like given up a pass and then he goes over there and um, he starts shushing the, the sideline of TCU, talking trash in this guy. And I'm like, you have no ground. But 
take a side. Like I, I gotta. We've been really going on Buki. I'm gonna go back and I'll play devil's advocate because we never do it here, and I understand that. And to our listeners that applaud Buki, if there's some out there, let me play your voice right now. So thank you to my friends at TFB. He was the number one rated player on Pro Football Focus for this week in this game. That's that's impressive. It doesn't factor. I I I I understand, and it takes a lot into account his open tackles. And whenever you have a secondary guy getting a lot of open tackles, does that mean he's just giving too much cushion on his routes and he's just making easy tackles with 15-yard gains? That could be a thing. Another thing is with confidence and all this, I would rather have a guy in the secondary that is extremely confident and trash talks because confidence speaks into action then a guy is extremely mellow and does not perform as unsure of himself. So if he was extremely unsure of himself and he would be 20 times worse, the problem there is going away from the devil advocate is the trash talking leads to stupid unsportsmanlike conducts and gets him into trouble. A la LSU game. A la should have been this game. Yeah, absolutely. We got away with that one. Um, Big time just, on that yeah. personal on that personal foul for sure. That should have been probably on Buki. I know TCU didn't help their cause by running up to him, but uh, again, that was all Buki. Um, like like Jameson said, he saw it right there. Uh, everyone yeah. saw it. Um, but that that's the thing. You're kind of playing with fire with this guy because he has probably as much energy as anybody you know on that secondary, maybe even on the defense as a whole. In terms of flying around, you know, really, uh, you know, making snap decisions, and that bites him not just in you know personal bad judgment decisions in terms of, uh, you know, personal fouls, but in terms of some of his judgments uh, as a, you know, as a uh, secondary guy, you know, in terms of you know making making his reads. So you really that's the, the problem is you have to figure out if it's worth it to have, you know, that much aggression when it could really bite you in the ass. And thankfully for OU, it didn't here. Uh, I think that's something at this point you would hope he would weed out a little bit, but um, yeah, it's really, you take, you take the good with the bad and you have to figure out, you know, well, is the bad that bad. No, I don't have, I don't have an issue like with the trash talk. Like I'm, I'm a, a fan of that as as well. Well, not not a fan if it's going to cause penalties and stuff. But yeah, to to Jameson's point, I I love that he's confident. And to your point, I love the energy that he brings. But it's like the and I know it was it this week, but like hitting a dude on a punt return before the guy even touches the ball, and then arguing with the ref saying he didn't signal for fair catch. Like that's just stupid. Like and it it seems like those sort of things like that have always occurred with him but it seems like he's gotten worse this year. Like it, it's, that was like a once every two week, uh, you know, thing he'd have some sort of like targeting someone that wasn't even involved in the play or something like he did against LSU. But it, now it seems like every week he has like a penalty where it's not even like trash talking. Like, it's just like, you know, I, I don't understand why you didn't get thrown out for this, but like, what, like, what are you even doing here? Uh, and then, you know, you also, uh, we also have to factor in uh, that he did is personally responsible for one of their touchdowns. So uh, half of their points were also just on him getting exposed. So I that's, think that's, that's fair. 
that's part of it. Yeah. That's just a height thing, really. Um, but overall, I, well, I, I think I, but it's... I, but yeah, but it's, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I think that's why he had such a good game when you look at just his good stats, because he was constantly getting targeted. Um, they were constantly trying to exploit that height. Um, and I don't really think, after watching the replay, that he just had a standout game. It was just there were situations where they put so many WRs out there that he was in a, a man coverage situation and they just kept targeting him, uh, which over the course of, of a game, um, you know, him being targeted eight, it was at least nine times because one was a touchdown. Uh, and I know not all the solo tackles are off of that, but I think that TCU had more to do with his stat line this game than um, anything else. And it's because they were so sort of one dimensional in the threat that they presented to us. I think Patterson really tried to exploit that, that height difference. Um, Cause it's something that, you know, you can exploit and, and they just weren't really able to do it too much, which I guess maybe to his credit. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I think that's all I have. Yeah. On him yeah. This week. We'll have some good stuff next week. I know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, just to wrap up, you know, defense side of the ball, Give it, give it out game balls. I'm just going to give it to the whole D-line. They all played pretty evenly great. Uh, if you look at their stat lines, pretty much you know uh, mirroring each other. So really um, great work from, from that uh, position group as a whole. So um, what we thought would be one of our weakest uh, points in all of this has actually turned out to be pretty decent. So, Jamison, who gets your defensive game ball? Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, it's kind of hard to give it to one person because no one really went out and made a big play. You know, no one did really solid. So, I mean, I'll give it to D-line. I'll just highlight Stripling because I feel like Stripling was a guy that we thought that was going to kind of make more of an impact this season. Um, got, got a lot of contact tracing and COVID, and um, it enlightened us to Isaiah Thomas. And he came out and got a sack this game. So good for him. Um We'll see how much of an impact he makes on this team moving forward with Ronnie Perkins maybe coming back um, here this weekend. But, yeah, I'll give it to Stripling. Ty, quick 30-second game ball before we yeah, move so, to the offense. Yeah, uh, so I think, I, think I, I want to agree with you guys and just go D-line, uh, but I don't want to you know just give it straight down the line. So I think real quick, the only logical conclusion is that TCU's offensive line deserves OU's defensive game ball for this game. Their line because was we're really arrogant, rough because we're an arrogant podcaster. Or I forget the word. <laughs> we're, we are the we're the most arrogant podcasters there have ever been. Easy. <laughs> so let's talk about we're the three offense. And two. <laughs> <laughs> three and two. Hey, we're back over five hundred. We're back we're on our Cowboys board. fans. Yeah, we're we're way back. We're way back. We're we're going to a college football playoff, y'all. We got this. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this offense a little bit. So. One thing I've kind of wanted to see over the past couple of weeks is seeing that offense open up, kind of, um, you know, you know, start to click, look a little bit better through four quarters. And I think we kind of saw that this week. Uh, Spencer Radler looked a lot more uh, mature, uh, a lot more patient in the po- uh, pocket. I thought he had a great game. Uh, zero turnovers on uh, well, one Rattler, zero turnovers. That's great. Um, but the offense, no turnovers overall at all. So honestly, I'm pretty pumped about it. Jameson, what are your thoughts on uh, Rattler's uh, composure this game? 
Yeah, it was great. Um, like you said, he didn't make too many mistakes. Um, my biggest thing on him is he had a lot of beautiful touch passes. You know, there was one to uh, Seth McGowan up the left sideline, just a perfect little ball right into the bread basket. You know, the couples to Marvin Mims, they were beautiful passes, absolutely in the right spot at the right time. You know, um, and that that's my take. Like, it was great, great to see that. Absolutely. Some top, I mean, that's, that's the type of throws that you, you see the clips over the, uh, over the past couple of years are like, this is what we're going to get. Um, and you know, when, when people talk about that kind of Mahomesian touch, we saw that, we saw that this game, I feel like, uh, Ty thoughts on Rattler. So I got, I have, uh, three thoughts on, on Spencer one. Um, I think this is the, the one that should go first. We saw a lot more improvement if, if we look at it as a whole. Uh, if you were to chart it, uh, there were definitely some dips where you could see him regressing into maybe some old things and not fully accepting of this, you know, part of the defense and, or part of the, the offense and not being the entire offense thing like he has been his whole life. Um, second take with that, though, uh, which I think maybe would be a caveat to that, our scheme throwing wise this game was very much the throws that he wants to be throwing all the time. Like we were taking a ton of deep shots because we could um, and had a lot of dudes going on, on big 15, 20, 30 yard pass plays. And those are the plays that he tries to force all of the time. Like he's always looking for that deep dude to try to get, you know, these long touchdowns. So I think maybe our perception of, of his buy into the offense is skewed a little bit because he was buying in or or having to buy in or execute what he has been trying to force uh, this entire year, that that sort of hero complex or constantly wanting every play to be a big highlight hero play. Um, And then I think third take, which will probably uh, carry us through to, to some more discussion is what I've been wanting to see, and it looked like it's occurred um, schematically in terms of play calling and depth chart, is Mims continuing to move up, maybe even to that number one WR spot. And I think that helps Rattler immensely because Rambo is not your dude that you can count on all of the time. He's a great dude to have in your back pocket that's going to give you four plays a game, maybe of effort. But Mims absolutely should be our, our number one dude. Uh, I think, and I think we saw that, and I think that really helped Spence. Yeah, I think we can just go ahead and get it over with. Um, Marvin Mims has our my offensive game ball easy. Oh my gosh, did we just lose power? No, we didn't. We're good. Um, yeah, Mims got. It's it's a weird time here in Oklahoma, folks, with this ice storm. Mims, hands down, is the offensive game ball of this game. Uh, electric performance, Big yeah. Twelve co-offensive uh, player of the week. Uh, newcomer of the week. Great stuff for him. Uh, gotta love it. Um, not only that, but yeah, let's just let's just talk about him. He we finally got to see him make big catches in the uh, second half. Something that has been absent, uh, I believe, really just the entire season. I, I don't even remember um, what Ty would re- refer to as Montana State, but uh, he he's been very kind of absent in the second half so it's good to see him yeah. get a more complete game Jameson what did you like to see what did you like out of Mims Jameson 
Yeah, uh, what I like, hey, can you hear me? Sorry. This, this power um, is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, like you said, Mims, it was consistent. And the thing is with this game, um, the passing game, there's, it's kind of weird to take from it because Spencer only completed 13 passes. You know, um, Ty, Ty said we're looking for the deep ball. Um, no one got over four catches. Um, he was targeting, um, you know, Stogner a lot, but I feel like the D, um, the D backs for um, TCU did a really good job on Stogner. We knew yeah. that coming in that the safeties were going to be good. There's a lot of plays where we threw it to Stogner and he kind of boxed him out with his big body and the TCU backs were there. That was really yeah. impressive. But the thing is they could not hold us in the deep ball. You know, Theo Weiss, McGowan, Marvin Mims, you know, all of them had big deep balls and it completely broke them down. And after we got a comfortable, we were up 17 to zero, you know, Riley's famous for kind of, you know, just chilling out for a little bit. It got a little bit dicier, you know, when it went 17 to seven at halftime. And then we just hit him again in the third quarter. You know, I, yeah, there's yeah. really this, this game was not too much to bat an eye at and to overanalyze on both sides of the ball. Cause to be honest, it was just kind of just, we we're going through the motions and that's really really what it is. It's not cocky. It's what it was. We just went through yeah. the questions. I, I, yeah, they, they just went out and executed. Yeah, I, I think to, to tie into what Jameson just said, I Riley does have that sort of backing off the gas thing. But I think that this was a really important game for the receiving core uh, because Jameson touched on it. We saw that TCU in their game planning by far, which statistically everything backs this up, their entire sort of pass uh, scheme defensively was to shut down Stogner, which they did. And like Stogner was out there, you know, absolutely grinding uh, for, for his two catches uh, because you could tell that their focus was on shutting him down. Uh, but that's what I enjoy because I don't think that we intended to put Mims as the number one dude for the whole game. And granted he did only get four receptions, um, but he was able to step into that role and when our primary target this year, Stogner was shut down, he, you know, started to get those looks and, and open up. So I think this saw our, or, or showed our depth um, and our ability for our young guys to step up. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Stogner, the second the ball got to him, bang, they hit him right there. Uh, ended it up, yeah. ended up in a drop uh, too many times. Well, I know you want to see, you know, see him absorb the hit, you know, make that catch. That's just really good defense on TCU's part. Um, at the time, I was – Double covered a lot too. Yeah, for this sure. third for a tight end. Yeah. 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 And I, I want to kind of touch on uh, Theo Weiss though. That was probably one of his best games as a Sooner. Um, 87 yards. Uh, I thought he looked pretty solid out there. Jameson, what did you like about – did you like Weiss at all? Yeah, I did. Um, it's kind of hard to beat his Baylor game. But um, – yeah, it was great, and like, and what what Spencer said, and we and we touched on this in the past weeks. He's got to target him more, and he knows he has to. This was just not a good week to showcase, you know, Spencer Rattler getting the ball to the right guys. Because, like I said, it was pretty much chalk. Um, I think uh, once next week comes back, I think the biggest storyline is Theo Weiss. We thought that he was going to have great rapport with Spencer, and he was going to be dominant, um, get a lot of targets. Was that his guy in the 2019 class? Now we got another guy coming in with Trajan Bridges. Is Trajan Bridges going to come in and get a lot of targets from Spencer? Does Spencer play favorites? Is he that kind of quarterback? I would honestly love 
both sides of that coin. If he plays favorites and throws the ball to Trajan, that'd be a great story for us because we kind of need a guy. We've been teeter-tottering on this whole season of who's our number one, and we've just been dying to have a number one because that's what OU does the whole year. But also at the same time, you know, like we would really like to have a balanced passing attack. Quarterbacks, young quarterbacks get the ball all the time turned over because they focus on one guy too much. So all in all, you know what? I'm really excited to see Trajan Bridges this weekend. Yeah. Hey, I got to say, we need to get the social some more views. So I'm just going to ask, uh, is Jaden Hazelwood coming back? Question mark, question mark. Is he close? <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a question. You know, with ACLs, um, it's six to nine months for what? What are you laughing at? No, I'm, I'm laughing because I saw a tweet earlier that said, what do ACLs even do? When's the last time you guys heard about a good thing an ACL did? It seems like they exist just to tear and ruin your entire year. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna go full nerd on this. But uh <laughs> Oh no, here we go. No, that was not an actual question. Don't tempt Jameson with a good time here. <laughs> Don't tip me with an ACL question. I will not fall for your tricks, Ty. <laughs> um so, so yeah. Kind of disappointing. So uh, I think if I think Hazelwood is I'm not sure on this, but last I checked, I think it was it was late April. So I think it's just over six months um, with his recovery table. So you are cleared with an with a normal ACL. You are cleared to play at that six month mark. Um, I think he tore. So I'm just now looking up. He tore it around April 25th, 24th area and got surgery around then. So this would be just around the six month mark. But whenever you're cleared to play after an ACL, you are not ready. You don't see any people really except for adrian peterson really come back or like a quarterback that doesn't require much mobility um come back off an acl from six months but what they're saying is like you know the stereotypical talk lincoln saying like oh um you know he's recovered better than anybody had a great mindset only took a day of pouting um but and they're like oh but it could be a partial tear and maybe he'd get back the thing is with acls partial tear full tear it's it's not going to change the, the story too much. Can he come back at the end of the season? Yes. He's not going to be a big contributor. Um, his athleticism, his vertical up and down um, as a pass target is going to be there. His straight line speed is going to be there. But cuts, slants, cross routes, he's not he's not going to have that kind of separation until he gets to that nine month or that twelve month mark. Just simple as that with ACL recovery. ACLs are there for lateral quickness. Um, and I, I mean, he can come back and play, but I feel like we've seen this story with many, many athletes all the time. They come back early and they just, it just takes a little bit for them to get their groove back. Absolutely. I was kind of meaning that as a joke, but there's actually a a lot of good insight there. Thank you, Jameson. Um, (laughs) So we talked about the offense a lot, but we haven't even talked about one of our biggest strengths yet. Uh, a running game out of nowhere. Well, Beamer ball for sure. We'll talk about that. Beamer ball was not good because of, you know, Hey, Mims had a good one. Robbed, robbed Stogner. (laughs) Look, I'm just saying, um, we haven't talked about our running back stable. Uh, Another great game from Pledger, 122 yards on 22 carries, averaged about uh, five and a half yards per carry. Uh, Great stuff. We got to see McGowan come back. Uh, So, Ty, how are you feeling about the uh, running back group, Um, which, uh, again, kind of rose out of nowhere when we needed it most? Yeah, I think I think uh, most importantly, we're seeing 
regardless of how well they play, I think the, the most important thing is sort of developing or, or formalizing a sort of hierarchy there. And I think that we're seeing, or we saw in this game, what ideally is the best case scenario for OU this year. And that's Pledger stepping up as the sort of main guy, the older guy that's getting, you know, the primary um, load. And that allows McGowan, the, the younger guy, clearly the, the more promising of the younger guys, uh, cold take by me uh, early in the year. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that he wasn't going to be good, uh, but it's, it's, if we can take the load off of McGowan and let him be that guy that can get plugged in, get his time to rest, uh, you know, because with a running back, uh, the strength development as you go through college is, is also huge. Um, but then also that, that time where he can be on the sideline and, and sort of look at the game from that aspect as well and, and learn, uh, I think is really important. So that was the thing that I like the most to see out of the running backs this past week. Jameson? Yeah, um, I, it's nice to see some kind of, you know, a solid attack, something that you kind of feel good about when TJ Pledger gets the ball. Um, he had a lot of good runs. And here's the moral of the story. The offensive line's getting it together now. Even though Swinson came out again at the beginning of the game, which makes zero sense, um, those Marquise Hayes had a hell of a game. Adrian Ely had a hell of a game. You know, like our offensive line played really well. Um, and that's opening up that run game. Um, Pledger, he's done his job. He came in at the right time because if he would have kept it up like he was at the beginning of the season, Ramon J. Stevenson would have came in this weekend and completely taken over the attack. Now, TJ Pledger, it's his to lose. You know, Ramondre is going to get a couple carries, um, but Pledger is going to get, you know, 15 carries a game probably now moving forward. And that's great for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talking about uh, linemen, uh, Chris Murray had a, another pretty solid good game, and a solid game, honestly, on the O-line mm-hmm. stand of uh, things. He came in, I thought he uh, changed uh, kind of changed the nature of the game a little bit, uh, added a little bit of protection. That guy is a crucial piece for us going forward, and it's really frustrating that we – didn't have him for some of those earlier games. It's one of those, if we had this guy earlier, I don't know. I think some of our line issues would not really be there, but I don't know. One guy doesn't change all of it, but one guy can change a game. And that guy usually gets a game ball. I said mine was Mims. I don't need to say anything more about it. So uh, Jameson Ty, quick, uh, who is your game offensive game ball of the game? Mims, next question. Also, man, yeah, unfortunately. I just wanted to verify it. Just wanted it to was very cut it. and dry this week. Yeah, I, I hate when we're all sort of the same. Um, not that we should be arguing about it, but it, it was very cut and dry this week. Absolutely. Uh, we're running a little long, so we're just kind of going to rush through our Texas Tech preview. Um, let's get down to it. So Tech having a little bit of issues with uh, with the, the cocoa. Not uh, <laughs> not the normal cocoa. Not the normal cocoa. They they have an issue. <laughs> Coronavirus. Uh, two uh, tech players uh, tested positive on their last testing round last week. Uh, the city of Lubbock and Texas Tech as a whole is kind of a hot spot right now. Uh, is there, Jameson? You 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 have little birds out there everywhere. 
is there is there any are they chirping? <laughs> are they chirping? Is there any danger this game getting canceled? No, they haven't. They haven't posted anything yet on the boards about it. Um, you know, whenever you see three players or two players or whatever um, test positive, it's really about the contact trace. And to be completely frank, um, I don't know if I'm reading into this too much, but. It's hard for me to think that, like, I feel like we're things are getting a little bit more smooth for college football as a whole, and then was at the beginning of the season. We're not seeing as many people um, cancel games, and I'm, I'm, I would like to think it's not because you know everybody already got it, and you know um, people are safe. Um, but it, I feel like that universities have kind of gotten a hold of how to handle the contact tracing thing, kind of figure out how to not get half of their team in tracing after one test, I mean, after one positive test, I feel like people have been smarter with that. I feel like, um, there's probably some like behind the scenes things of like, Oh, you wrote down that you were in this place. They have really good alibis, blah, blah. blah. They said they have masks in their house and it makes it work, you know? So I think that's what it is moving forward. I don't know how they do it down in um, Lubbock. I, I don't trust any kind of health protocols in Lubbock <laughs> to be completely frank with y'all there. Um, but yeah, moving forward, you never know. It's it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. I feel like um, I feel like I think they get tested Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So um, I feel like we're gonna learn a lot. Um, Thursday is gonna be the big day for that. Yeah, a lot can happen. So um, yeah, hopefully everything works out. It, it's OU's been you know doing fine. Other than that kind of scare for the Missouri State game, everything's been pretty smooth. And then you know Kansas State also kind of an issue. But anyways, let's talk about the actual game. Texas Tech, not great. Uh, uh, we've heard them compared to a uh, dog and a sheep attempting to look like, <laughs> they a, won. Attempting to look like a ghost. And then they went and beat West Virginia on a defensive touchdown. Like West Virginia's I, not good this year. That's the thing. West Virginia's not good. But also Texas Tech, also probably not good. I, I don't know what to think about well, this yeah. team. I, I think their quarterback, this uh, Colum- Columbi guy, I don't know. He's not bad. J- Jerry Colombo, whatever his name is. We're just, we're just going to call him Jerry Columbi. I don't know. I don't know. He's not bad. Uh, 22 for uh, – yeah, you, not, pretty solid game last week, 22 for 23. Uh, ran the ball for 40 yards, you know, two touchdowns. That's fine. Um, Ty, are you – what? Are you worried about Texas Tech uh, going into this? I mean, okay, we <laughs> lost to to K State and Iowa State this year, so I really I have no clue. Like it's it's week by week uh, in the Big Twelve this year, which I think you could argue makes it exciting, um, or maybe it doesn't. I uh, I'm assuming Bowman has uh, punctured his his paper lungs again. And that's why he's not playing. I don't do this. Like, he's the guy from SpongeBob that like surprised himself to sleep every night after like heart attacks and stuff. Oh uh, no. But yeah, it's just. They also, benched been Bowman. He's been there oh, for like no. 15 years. So. Did he get straight up benched or I, we talked about this last no, week. He got benched. They're covering benched. it up. I just looked it up. They said Texas Tech benches Alan Bowman. We'll move forward mm. with Henry Columbo. Columbia. <laughs> Dirty, <laughs> Dirty, Colum- Dirty Columbia over here. Uh, so last I don't, year. I don't know what I expected Henry Columbia to look like, but I just clicked on his, his ESPN and it's not what I expected him to look like. 
Mm, yeah, he's he's interesting looking fellow. Also, did he that. transfer from somewhere? Because his ESPN <laughs> photo is a Texas Tech banner behind him, and then he's in like a BYU jersey. It, or it, lo- it looks like Utah State was a transfer. Yeah, oh, I, he played at Utah State. I was about to say a Mormon in Lo- in Lubbock seems like a very confusing <laughs> place. I think uh, Utah I kinda, State is we, also a, a Mormon we, school, is it? Speaking of what's Utah. Uh, I don't know. It, the Aggies. <laughs> Anyways, uh, about this game. Am I worried about Texas Tech? Uh, no. Uh, we is it possible? Because we're the Sooners. Is it possible that Texas Tech wins literally by oh. four touchdowns? Also, yes. So, who knows? Texas I mean, beat it, Tech in a shootout. So, maybe it'll be a shootout. Uh, if it is a shootout, I don't know. We seem to play well under pressure like that uh, if we look at the, the overtime against Texas. what I, Most likely scenario, I feel like, is we get up by like 14 points um, and then we just let them come back and then we play the entire second half down a touchdown because that's what Lincoln Riley would do. Mm. That's mm. – Okay. It's a night. It's a night. It's a night game in Lubbock, though. We got to think about that. Night game uh, so, who's Lubbock. the big receiver then? Uh, <laughs> we, oh, we've got a good okay. name. Okay, we, we've talked about this. It's TJ Basher. Eric Eczema. And he was out of the receiver. <laughs> Eric Eczema. Okay, <laughs> last year, Ty and I. Three. Oh, no. TJ okay, Basher so last... even play last game? No. Okay, so I looked this up. TJ Basher has been, uh, he was out for the West Virginia game. His status is questionable. Ty and I went on this big thing about Vasher last year, about how he was going to be, you know, yeah, we were like, we should look out for, for Vasher. I've never heard that name before in my life. I I, I just remember (laughs) we would, we, we, we put too much time and energy to like, Oh, Texas tech could be good. Vasher could be good. He had one catch. So (laughs) Texas tech is weird like this. Vasher solid. I mean, he, he could be a good receiver solid and, you know that 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 is a blueprint type of guy that can beat OU, but also, you know, you never know. Uh, Tack and Lubbock is just a totally different situation. Um, it's it it could really get weird. Uh, they don't really have a great running game. They have a, a guy named Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, which if you say it like slow enough, it kind of sounds like a Game of Thrones character, Sir, Sir Roderick Thompson. Um, but. He has these big runs and then doesn't do anything else the rest of the game. He's currently listed as uh, being hurt but not injured. And then you have a solid other guy named Taj Brooks. I don't really care about Tech's run game. Um, But offensively, they're not as good as they used to be. Defensively, they're just mediocre. So really, they're just mediocre. Sorry, Texas Uh Tech fans. Columbia played (laughs) – Columbia's from Hollywood, Florida. We have to factor that in. Oh, that, that's that a, that, that, that's a factor, see, and he's a junior. So, are we trying to be like? Are we trying to be like connect him with uh, Hollywood Brown here? Is that like some sort of I don't know sketchy ESPN plot point line that we're trying to make? Who's on the call? The seven o'clock Fox game. Um, that's the did anyone thing. but the ABC. Is crew? it Tim? I know you didn't hear it, Jameson, but oh my goodness, that game was bad. Oh, oh, oh really? God! Uh, uh, did it Greg Thor- McElroy? Tessator and McElroy? Well, of course, yeah. McElroy is just an embarrassment of all calling. He's got some smart takes, but every time I've listened to him, it's just been a little cringy. The golf guy? No, not not, not Rory. Not Rory. Greg McElroy uh, went on a rant about Buki that made Ty seem like tame. 
Oh, so it, it was intense. He was like, "This guy's always making mistakes," and it was That's it was intense. it was intense. Um, in general, defense is just meh. Um, so I'm not super worried about Tech. Uh, things are weird in Lubbock. This is it's just hard to predict what's going on with Texas Tech. Hard to predict a lot with the Big Twelve, but all I know, um, just don't ex- uh, don't expect anything. So. Uh, let's move on. Um, normally, the, I would. We were kind of running low on time, so I would like to uh, apologize to Michael Whitman who put together a sim of uh, the the game in NCA fourteen. But uh, so we don't have time to fully break it out. He says it seems like it'll be a shootout, which sounds about right. And Spencer Rattler might turn. He said it's not if Rattler turns it over, but when. So maybe NCA fourteen has you know insight. But, we should get uh, him on sometime. We really should, and I, I appreciate you putting that together again. We just blabbed too much about Buki, so thanks. Hey, thanks for listening as always, and thanks for putting that together. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, Jameson, it's time to play uh, play some Cruton Corner. What do you say, David? <laughs> yes. What is this, David? This is a Cruton Corner with Jameson. Every morning, dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yikes a mesh. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I, like I said last week, uh, we're looking at Taylor Cetron, the Edmund Santa Fe wide receiver 2022 committed on, um, you know, on Saturday. Uh, it was great. Great for the team. We got three wide receivers in that class now. Um, you know, we probably will take a, one or two more depending on it. But, you know, we still got a lot of feelers there. I, the big story of recruiting this week is – we had a decommitment from our class currently of Caleb Johnson. Um, he's a D-back out of Texas. And he's no, not your starter typical 6'1", 6'2", guy, but he's got speed, you know. Um, he claims to have a 4'3", Um, And he's a p- pure athlete, has great like, multiple SEC offers, um, even though he's not ranked that high. Um, and he's kind of just an under-the-radar kind of guy. But from what they're saying, you know, around is saying like that it was more of a mutual parting. I don't know why. Um, it's not like that we don't want any more DBs in this class. But I think that um, after further evaluation, I think that we're kind of moving away from him. It might be because of his size. I'm just kind of drawing straws here. From what we've seen this season, it's really nice to have speed. But Trey Brown, although he's had his plays this year, is not the guy of the future for us. You know, like we saw the graphic for Iowa State. We, even though if you're 5'10", 5'11", and have speed, we want you to check both boxes of speed and height. Um, so I think we would rather take a really raw guy that's 6'1", 6'2", athlete that, can, that has speed and hopefully we can develop and take a chance on him for a guy that would be the fourth best D-back in this class probably – you know, rather than just take a guy that would just be average. Um, and it comes down to it. Yeah. Like if, would you rather have a high, like high chance of doing, having a guy that'd be a really, really good movie in the future or just an average guy that's not going to do too much for us moving forward. You'd rather take a risk when it comes down to that level. So all in all, it's pretty, it's going straight. Um, Caleb Williams been um, releasing his articles about how he moved to Norman. Like we've said, um, it's great moving forward. And it's real. I'm really excited to see, um, if we can get some surprise commitments moving forward, um, see where, you know, Tristan Lee and Kamara Wheaton and guys like that's recruitment going forward ends up. So Chen Kui. 
<laughs> Tristan Lee. <laughs> hey, Tristan Lee did uh, miss his Ohio State visit, so that's interesting. I guess. I yes, know. it is. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's it's a, it's a battle between us and LSU. Is what the moral of the story it is. You know, like that's the places he traveled recently. You know, with the unofficial, real, true, unofficial visits, um, with no contact with any of the coaching staffs. Um, he did the LSU Tiger visit, and then he did the Sooner Summit. Um, so it's, it's really just a toss up between us. And, you know, a lot of experts on rivals and, um, two, four, seven have them kind of pegged as an OU favorite now. So moving forward, we'll just see what happens. Um, but I don't think he's in, in too much of a rush to commit. Absolutely. Well, Hey, thanks for the crude and corner as always guys. Thanks for coming on. Um, and, uh, we'll, uh, be back at it, uh, in a couple days for pick em. Not really. We're recording it immediately after this, but you'll hear us in a couple days. So, uh, yeah. Thanks as always for listening, everyone. Uh, this has been the Schooner Pod. Uh, I'm your host, Bobby Howard. Uh, and for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. See you next time. Boomer Sooner.